Love telling you about Boyer's Coffee. They have been a great partner of this program since uh, its inception. I start my day every day when I'm home, in particular with Boyer's Coffee. Aspen Gold is my go-to, but uh, I mix in some Rocky Mountain Thunder. And if you haven't been to the Boyer's Coffee site, you need to go to it. It's boyerscoffee.com. You're going to be blown away by the number of flavors, the number of different products, the number of great promotions they have going. And best of all, you can have your coffee, your morning joe delivered right to your house. That's what I do. They do have it in your local markets if you're out and about. But it's easy to just go to your front door and it's there. How about some of these flavors? Butter, scotch, toffee coconut cream chocolate mousse a new flavor cinnadoodle and it's all been brewed in the rocky mountain region for over 50 years you have to enjoy boyer's coffee like i do it's a staple of my diet it's that simple so uh, go to boyerscoffee.com and i'm sure you're going to be hooked once you do boyerscoffee.com You know, I really enjoy my steel products. They help around the house. They help around the yard. S-T-I-H-L. And you can find a plethora of wonderful products to help you get the job done this summer at steel. It's S-T-I-H-L. Steeldealers.com or SteelUSA.com. There are over 10,000 dealers around the country, which means there's one right around the corner from you. And I'm big on hyping battery-powered product, whether it's chainsaws, whether it's blowers, whether it's trimmers, or many of their other products. You can get long-lasting, battery-operated. That's what I have. And it's so simple, man. you just out and about. You don't have to worry about a cord. You don't have to worry about filling up with gas. I mean, they have that stuff if necessary, and they're terrific as well. But I love the battery-powered stuff. You know what's really uh, cool? They're hand-powered saws. So if you're going camping and you don't want a big chainsaw to go with you, or if you have a little job around the uh, the backyard, you can grab the hand-powered saw. They are, they're going like gangbusters. So you want to make sure you uh, check them out at steeldealers.com and get one uh, for your garage as soon as you can. So many products. I know you'll be loading up on them. It's steeldealers.com. S-T-I-H-L. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, the Avs win game one in the Stanley Cup final. We've got championships on our mind. Former Rockies shortstop and manager and current Braves bench coach, Walt Weiss, has some experience with that. It'll bring grown men to tears because of the work, the, the sacrifices to get to that level. It's so hard to win. Last year, that was that was the prevailing thought for me, Goody, after it was all over. I'd forgotten how hard it was. And how does Walt feel about outlawing the shift in baseball? It'd be like in football, going, okay, you're no longer allowed to play cover two. If I'm taking away something, it means I'm giving something up. So it, I think it's up to the opponent to expose that. You know, if you're asking me, I don't like it. I don't, I don't like being told where to place my defenders. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast wherever you find podcasts. And please tell a friend. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Welcome in, folks. Glad you're along. Show number 154, I believe. I lose track sometimes. Uh, thanks for joining us each and every week right here on the uh, Drew Goodman Podcast. Uh, fun week last week, San Francisco and San Diego for the old Rockies. And I'm sure they shocked a lot of people in winning four out of seven. 
Remember, they were coming off a homestand in which they went two and five, and then they went to San Francisco where wins don't come frequently for the Rockies, and yet they won two out of three against a giant team that's been pretty good and would go on actually later in the week to sweep the Dodgers at home, but the Rockies won two out of three there, and then they went to San Diego and earned a four-game split in San Diego, which I thought was interesting because at one point they lost nine to nothing in San Diego, and then they had the unfortunate uh, finish in the 10th inning when it looked like they were going to push a game to the 11th inning and Elias Diaz's throw uh, on a wild pitch trying to get Manny Machado uh, going a third, went into left field, and he would score the game-winning run in the bottom of the 10th inning. And yet, despite those two difficult losses, the Rockies ended up winning four out of seven. Why did they win four out of seven? Pretty simple. It was the pitching. Isn't it always the pitching? I've said this till I'm blue in my face. The sport at every level, every competitive level, will always be about pitching. I've said this before. You know what? You can have the the 10-year-old team that that rolls in with all the early growth 10-year-olds and and you guys look like the New York Yankees getting off the bus to play the 10-year-old game and the other team has a bunch of Lilliputians, but they have little Johnny on the mound. And if little Johnny can deal, little Johnny and the Lilliputians are going to take down the overgrown 10-year-old team. And it's the same way in the big leagues. When you pitch well, you generally win. And the Rockies pitched well. The best thing came out of that West Coast swing for me was Herman Marquez. Herman needs to be the Rockies' number one. There are very few true aces in baseball, but the Rockies' best talent is Herman. He was an all-star last year. He has, on a number of occasions, shown the ability to be dominant, not just good, but dominant. And that's why he's flirted with uh, a few no-hitters, and he will again. But it has been really unsteady since he was an all-star last year. In fact, over 23 starts from the all-star game of last year until about a week or so ago, he had an ERA over six over that period of time. I mean, that's, I need not tell you that's not good. It's terrible. He'd be the first to tell you it's bad. The good news about that period of time, and when you've watched him this year, is that the stuff is still there. He still throws in the mid to upper 90s. There's still crispness to his curveball and slider combination. So you're saying it's all there. It's just his command was way off. Walking some guys and a lot of misses in the middle of the plate. And big league hitters are really good. Even when you have elite stuff like Herman, when you miss in the middle of the plate, you get hit hard. And that was what was happening. But as I said, the best thing to come out of that uh, that week in San Francisco and San Diego, Herman made two starts. Now, in San Francisco in the first inning, the Giants got three runs off him. And you're like, here we go again. And then he pitched five shutout innings after that and allowed just one hit. And he looked like a different guy. And he followed that up with a, with a dominant performance in San Diego in which he went seven innings and allowed just a couple of runs. And the strikeouts are up and the uncomfortable look of hitters at the plate is up. 
over the last two starts. So uh, for me, that that was outstanding. And other guys stepped forward as well. Austin Gobber, who had two really tough outings, um, was great in his last outing. Uh, the only guy who who didn't have a good outing from a starting from the starting rotation standpoint was Chad Cool. And Chad Cool's been their their steadiest pitcher all year. So he he'll get a mulligan on that one. Kyle Freeland was good. Sensatella also showing signs uh, of returning to the form that we saw much of last year. In fact, he had another quality start in opening up the homestand, a disappointing for loss for the Rockies uh, in extra innings against the Cleveland Guardians, but uh, he was better. And I want to talk about Ryan Feltner. Ryan Feltner, rough outing two starts ago. I mean, he's only had a handful of starts in the big leagues, but you got to like the stuff. 95 to 97, good breaking ball. And I, as I frequently say on television, and I'll say it again here, he's not afraid. He is not intimidated by the third deck. He's not intimidated by big league lineups. He's not intimidated when he gives up a home run and a really long home run. Remember the home run Jesus Sanchez hit against him in Miami that almost left the stadium in right field. And he dealt right after that. Same thing happened in his outing uh, on the road, he gave up a home run in San Diego, and then he dealt. I mean, he was terrific. He was dominant. So I'm excited ab- about Ryan Feltner. And uh, the, the rotation, really good. And even uh, maybe more impressive than the rotation was the much maligned bullpen. The first 10 days of the season, the Rockies had statistically the best bullpen in baseball. And then it went south for for a long period of time uh, for everyone not named Tyler Kenley or Daniel Bard. I know Bard had a couple of kick saves uh, early in the year. That's going to happen. He's been great. I mean, he really has been terrific. And Tyler Kenley has been among the the best setup men in all of baseball in either league. Unfortunately, Kenley's going to be out for quite some time uh, with an elbow situation. Uh, that that was depressing news that came uh, mid last week on that road trip. Uh, but the rest of the bullpen—that's what I was kind of alluding to—pitch really well on that road trip. All of a sudden, everybody's velocity seems up, and, and maybe that has something to do with the the delayed start to the season, the shortened spring training. And pitchers are are really delicate guys. And it takes them a while to build up. And now you're seeing, as I said, increased velocity with not just one or two guys, but a number of guys. Carlos Estevez, who wasn't great early, his velocity's up. Crispness of his slider is better. Alex Colome, veteran who signs with the Rockies, a one-year deal. He'd saved over 150 games coming in. He got knocked around early. And it was tough to watch. He now, as we tape this, has gone 16 consecutive games without allowing a run. That's quite a a role. And a lot of his outings, and I know he works slowly, but a lot of his outings have been like four, five, six, seven pitches, and he gets three outs. So Colome has been really good. Uh, Lucas Gilbreth, who had to sit out the first couple of weeks of the season roughly with with COVID, he's really throwing uh, uh, the ball very, very well. So, you know, the bullpen stepped forward for the Rockies and uh, they had a good week. And hopefully that will continue because the only way that they're going to approach 500 again is if that pitching uh, really 
stay steady for a prolonged period of time, longer than a week. You know, you need four or five weeks where you're saying, man, they've been on quite a roll. And hopefully it happens because, you know, it takes me to the other side of the equation, the offensive side of the equation for the Rockies that has been, eh, not great. And, And the Rockies were hoping to improve offensively through hitting the ball out of the ballpark. Well, Unfortunately, the Rockies are not hitting the ball out of the ballpark. C.J. Crone's got his home runs. He's cooled off of late. Uh, but no one else other than Charlie Blackman. And, that, and that's been good because Charlie, uh, as of this taping, has 10 home runs. He had 13 all of last year. I think he has five home runs out on the road. He had two all of the uh, last year out on the road. So, so Charlie's been good. But everywhere else, you know, the Rockies aren't hitting the ball over the wall. Buddy's lamented. In, in, in uh, on that in a couple of post game press conferences that they need to hit more home runs. The Rockies currently are 22nd in the big league in homers hit. And yes, Chris Bryant's been out most of the year. I understand that. Uh, but what you were hoping for was some of the other guys to step forward and incrementally improve. Remember we were talking about that at the beginning of the year? Incremental improvement. Ryan McMahon goes from a 22-24 home run guy to a 28-30 to home run guy. Right now, it doesn't look like that. In fact, he's not nearly on a 20 home run pace. He's got four home runs as we speak. He had a big hit uh, in San Diego on a Sunday to help the Rockies win a double uh, to drive in two to break open a, a game that was 2-2 and make it 4-2, which uh, ultimately was the final score. Uh, Randall Gritchick hit five home runs fairly early on, but that's what he's got right now. They have to hit more home runs. And We'll see as now we roll into late June and into July if some guys get on a run. And if they do, that'd be great, coupled with uh, continued good pitching. So we'll follow that uh, closely as well. One more baseball note has nothing to do with the Rockies. This got national attention. Tony La Russa, who's the uh, uh, winningest active manager in baseball and a future Hall of Famer based on his managerial exploits. You know, Tony, every once in a while, will run into some controversy. I've always enjoyed my interactions with him, but he can be gruff. And you know where I'm going with this, because I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you follow baseball and you heard the uh, the controversy when Tony elected with his White Sox playing the Dodgers and he had a lefty on the mound, and it was first and third. Trey Turner was on the hit, or, uh, at the plate for the Dodgers, and there was a 1-2 count, and there was a ball, uh, the, I guess it was an 0-2 count, and the, and the, uh, the next pitch was uh, in the dirt, and it became a wild pitch, and the runner at first moved up to second. So now it's second and third. First base is open. There's two outs. It's a 1-2 count on Trey Turner, Max Muncy, who has struggled this year, but been really good, as we know, the last few years, is on deck. He elects to not pitch to him, to intentionally walk Trey Turner with a 1-2 count. And you know what happened next. Max Muncy, left on left, hits a three-run home run. That was the difference in the game, as the White Sox had the lead, and the Dodgers uh, took the lead with a three-run home run, and they go on to win. What was mentionable for me was not the whole decision, actually. I'll get to that in a second. It's the press conference after when, naturally, 
And as he should, Tony La Russa was asked about his decision to pass on Trey Turner, despite the fact that Trey Turner had a one and two count. Can you explain the, uh, the thought process on the intentional walk with... Um... With uh, to Turner? Turner. At one, two. So let me ask you a question. Is there, is there some question about whether that was a good move or not? At what, I guess at one, two is the question. At the count you know what he hits against left-hand pitching with one, oh, one or two strikes? You know what he hits? He does well, well, you know what Muncy hits with two strikes with, against a left-hand pitcher? Uh, I mean, is that really a question? Because it was one and two? Turner was a, a strike left against a left-hander is not something you can avoid if you can. And we had an open base, and Muncy happened to be the guy behind him, and that's a better matchup. Here again, somebody disagrees. That's that's the beauty of this game. Welcome to it. But that, a, that wasn't a tough call. Was there a reason for waiting until one two though? Not to huh? right was there a reason to not do it right away and wait till one two? Well, that's when they, that's when the, the pitch got away. So Tony is perturbed at the question. Quite honestly, you know, a few minutes after the game, the manager's perturbed because he had a a, a game that he hoped was in hand. And it was lost. So you're you're angry overall at the outcome. But my issue is this. The question needs to be asked. The media, good members of the media, are asking questions that an astute fan would ask or wonder about. And every fan would wonder, man, why are you walking Trey Turner? Not with, you know, a... Uh, no count on him where you go, yeah, you know what? I'd rather go left on left and face Trey Turner. I understand that, but you had a one, two count on him. So it's a perfectly, not only legitimate question, it's necessary to be asked and even followed up upon. It's not trying to be combative, but Tony took it as an affront. Like that's the dumbest ass question I've ever heard. No, it's not Tony. And you know, it's not, it needs to be asked. And Tony said, look, just look at the statistics. Do you know what he hits this year with, you know, with a one-two count? Well, yeah, he was hitting 256, which is really pretty extraordinary that his average was that high on a one-two count. But that's why statistics and some analytics need to have some context. If you're talking about a relative handful of at-bats, which, uh, you know, in early June, mid-June, that's what we're talking about. And, and the fact that Max Muncy, who historically has been very good and very good against lefties, hitting better than 250 in his career and an OPS uh, in the mid 800s in his career, not just, you know, 40 at bats this year is all that he had left on left. You have to you have to look at the greater picture. And Trey Turner, though good this year with a one and two count, in his career, he's below 200, as most hitters would be. And in that situation, his OPS is around 600. There was about a 250-point delta between Max Muncy left on left with a fresh count and Trey Turner against a lefty with a 1-2 count in his career. So it was a perfectly, not only reasonable question, it was a necessary question. And again, I, I just pick it apart because I don't like when coaches, managers look at a member of a media and says, that's just a stupid question and, and try to belittle um, the reporter. 
There are plenty of times now where a reporter probably deserves to be not belittled, at least questioned, because I've been in and seen and heard a lot of dumbass questions asked by reporters. So I'm not saying they're above reproach, not by a long shot. But in this particular instance, Tony LaRussa, in my opinion, uh, didn't handle it well. Now, I'll defend Tony in, in this regard. Had Muncie been retired, probably wouldn't have gotten a whole lot of attention. And I always refer back to one of my favorite manager slash head coaches lines. And this is from Clint Hurdle. When he was asked about some kind of decision, some similar kind of decision, maybe that LaRusso was asked about the other day. And Clint said, I'm paid to first guess. You all are paid to second guess. And that's what fans do. You know, we're all fans, right? We're going, oh, man, that didn't work out. Why did he do it that way? We second guess. But if you're on the top step of a dugout, if you're on the sideline with a headset on, if you're an NBA coach, if you're an NHL coach behind the uh, the players, you have to first guess. You have to take all of the information you have. You have to take a, a pulse of what's going on on said field or ice or diamond, whatever it is. And you have to make a calculated decision immediately. You don't have hours upon hours to kick it around or even minutes to ponder which direction you should go. You have to, as Clint Hurdle said, first guess. And that's why I do find it sometimes laughable, uh, the frequency that we all can second guess and in hindsight, you know, yes, have 2020 vision or even better than that. So I did want to, uh, you know, mention that uh, that Tony LaRusa decision. I'm really excited about uh, this week's guest on the program. He's been on before with me. I always enjoy it. He's a friend, Walt Weiss, and we talk baseball with Walt. We're going to talk about the Atlanta Braves run last year, which seemed improbable in the middle of the summer. It's the beauty of baseball. And also, by the way, gets me on another quick tangent where I don't, I don't know if it was always this way. I don't remember this growing up where two weeks into the season, four weeks into the season, six weeks into the season. And this goes for the Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NFL, the NHL. We're always trying to hand away postseason awards. Hey, the MVP so far is, or this guy's going to win the rookie of the year. And we're giving it away in like a 20% of the season's been played. Right now in Major League Baseball, a third of the season's been played. And we're already making, for instance, Aaron Judge the MVP of the American League. Well, right now, yeah, he'd, he'd be the American League MVP. There's a hundred games of baseball left. I hope he continues to play well. Big fan of him from afar. Could care less about the Yankees. You know, I grew up not liking the Yankees. Growing up in New York, I was a Mets fan. But that's neither here nor there. There's a lot of baseball left, just like they're trying to anoint, you know, the the NFL MVP after four weeks of the season when there's going to be another 13 games played. I don't know how we ever got to that. Anyhow, Atlanta was decidedly mediocre most of last year, and they made the great run. And, and Walt and I talk a little bit about that. And we also talk about other fun stories and things that have nothing to do with baseball that I think will entertain you. So... Uh, as I said, I always enjoy getting together with Walt. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's our Ideal Home Loans Interview of the Week. 
Walt Weiss, the former skipper of the Rockies and currently bench coach for Brian Snitker of the world champion Atlanta Braves. So you've been involved in, in parades and, and championships and rings. I would assume better as a player, but that was pretty neat how it all came down for Atlanta last year, wasn't it? It really was. And, and to be honest with you, Goody, I mean, one, one other World Series, but we didn't have a parade. If you remember, it was the earthquake. And so out of respect for the city and, and, and the community and what was going on, you know, they were still clearing the wreckage. Um, we didn't celebrate. So no champagne That's right. after the game, no parade. So I got to tell you, man, that, 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 that parade in Atlanta is when it all hit. And it, it's, it's one of the, the best memories of that whole season last year was, was the parade. Um, blew me away, you know, the, the, the outpouring. It, it, it was amazing. Do you know what's wild about that, about baseball? And, and maybe I've spoken to you about this before. I, I know your love of other sports, particularly football. But it's so hard to to get to the postseason. It's why you guys pour champagne and beer when you get there. And if you win a round, you do it again. It's all, you know, repeat. Where, it, with all due respect, like Golden State and basketball, I, I think they kind of knew they were going to make the playoffs at the start of the year. It's different in baseball, isn't it? It is just because it's every day. You know, it's it's the one sport that's every day um, for seven, eight. Well, at that point, it's it, you know it's eight months plus sometimes. You know, when I when I when, when I was managing, I told my players to try to give them perspective about how special a championship is and how difficult it is. It's when you watch other sports, it, it'll bring grown men to tears because because of the work, the, the sacrifices. Um, to get to that level, it's so hard to win. I, last year, that was that was the prevailing thought for me, Goody. After it was all over, I'd forgotten how hard it was to to be the last team standing. It's so difficult at this level. Um, obviously, a lot of things got to go your way. You have to, if you got any chinks in the armor, that it, they're going to get exposed uh, at, in October. So it took everything being going just right to be the last team standing and that was the that was the thought I came with I man I forgot how hard this was it was so it was exhausting and I wasn't even playing but uh it's it's so difficult to win it all was there a point in time I mean early on where you felt like hey we have the team to do it and then I mean you guys were kind of just you know mediocre basically until well into August and did you think, well, it's just not going to happen for us this year? Or did you feel like, hey, we still got a shot if we can catch fire a little bit? Well, I'd love to sit here and tell you, you know, we, we thought we were going to do it all along. Um, I mean, you, you you would know I'd be lying because we were under 500 when we lost Ronald Acuna. At that point, you know, no one was saying it, but I know everyone was thinking, okay, we, we, we took our best shot get ready for next year type of thing and now no one was going to say that but those you know if you could see the thought bubbles around the room those thoughts were going through guys heads but it was a tale of two seasons um i tell people all the time you know when we talk about the world series i say man it's you would never draw it up the way we did it but that that made it even more special i think we had a lot of injuries early we were not very good all the way up until the deadline 
Now, people talk about the trade deadline being the turning point, and it probably was, but it was it was a few other things. We got healthy. It was a perfect storm. We got healthy right around that time. We got Ian Anderson back. We got Travis Darnot, who had missed several months. Um, Max Fried got healthy. Our bullpen all of a sudden just took it to another level, and then at the same time, Alex went out and got the four outfielders um, to make up for not having Ronald Acuna. And we took off. Now, people say, man, an 88-win team shouldn't win the World Series. But we were one of the best teams in baseball over the last two months. We were really good. Um, and we took that into the postseason. And I feel like we were – and I think this is important, especially in our sport, but in all sports. We were battle-tested. Um, and you see that. That's why I think the Giants won some World Series as a wild card. Those wild card teams are – those teams that really got to grind their way to the finish line, I think, are, are, are battle-tested. I don't like when you clinch. Now, it's great when you clinch it two weeks early, but I do think there's an edge that you lose. I, I do think you let your guard down, whether you know it or not, because you're resting guys, and people talk about, well, we're going to be able to get healthy and get guys rest. I don't think that's good in our sport. I think anytime you're resting more than three days, it becomes a detriment, you know. And so I, I really believe those those teams that are battle tested, like we were, uh, happen to, you know, we weren't over 500. I don't know what game it was, 100 and something games into the season, we we weren't before we got to 500. So we we were so battle tested and had overcome a lot. I think that was a major factor. You know, it's funny because when you were talking about that, it reminds me of the 07 season. And as you well know, when the Rockies had the, I believe it was eight or nine days off before they played the Red Sox. I will honestly say that the Red Sox, I think, had a better roster than the Rockies, but I don't think it would have been a sweep. Would you concur? I agree 100%. And I felt that way at the time, you know, um, and especially that 07 Rockies team was on such a roll that that break was, was, was was definitely not a good thing, and um, end up getting sw- getting swept. You're, I agree with the goodie. Do, do we win that World Series? I don't know. You know, maybe not, but I don't think it's a sweep either. You know, um, I, I, that that was that was definitely a factor. Yeah. So when you come back here, we were laughing about this. You and I were talking about it a couple of days ago because you you guys landed after shutting out Arizona. And as we taped this, uh, the Rockies were in one of those double headers that lasted four days. It was like a, a cricket match in England. And and you and I'll, I'll let you tell me the the line that you had. You got in a fetal position on the plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I follow the games on the plane and whatnot, and I, I was I was tuned into this one, and. Uh, I saw the first. I saw the first game, you know, fourteen to one, and you know, I lived it here, man. I've I worked here for fifteen years in some capacity, so I've seen those games. And then, and then the, the second game was going back and forth, and it's one of those slugfests. You know, I, I think I texted you. So that's that's uh, that's where my PTSD came from to this day. But yeah, I, I, then it, then it went into extra innings, and that's about the time I started sucking my thumb. You know, I, 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 it, yeah, it, it it got to me at that point. So I got to tell you. We showed you and Snit in game one of this series because you guys were up nine to, I think it was nine to one, and Rockies get a run, and then Croner hits a two run homer. It's nine four. And I, and I said to the truck, I said, give me a shot of, of Snicker and Walt. And sure enough, I said, Walt, Walt's going, I don't know if we have enough. 
I'm like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm tapping Snit, hey, man. Because I, I told him, we're up eight, but we're really up three. You know, when, we, when it was nine to one, we're really up three. Right. But, uh, you know, I, I like I said, I've, I've seen so many so many of those games. And the Rockies, in, in, in their history, you know, late in the games, they've always been dangerous in this place. Um, and, like, last night I was thinking, you know, we're, we're tied late in the game. Visiting team doesn't win that game here. The, the, the Rockies almost always win that game here uh, uh, at Coors Field when it's when it's tied late, and so uh, you know we found a way to pull that one out. And and uh, you know I I, I I I thought you know there's we're gonna have a tough time winning this game. All right, I got a segue, and I'm forgetting who it was when we showed right before you guys got here. Jesus Sanchez hit a ball. Yeah. He he literally almost hit the damn ball out of the out of the stadium. And you were short when Mike Piazza hit one about 37 miles here. And I think it was, it may have been Jenny who came over or somebody, and I remember the story, but I'm going to have you tell it. That's all your fault that Piazza hit the ball that far. So there, there's your lead, and go ahead. Well, Darren Holmes was in our bullpen back then, and, and Holmes is a good friend of mine. And uh, he had this, this changeup that he never used. You know, he's fastball, curveball, slider, whatever. I said, Holmes, man, you got a good changeup. You know, you got to use that thing. And so... He gets a spot start in L.A., and I said, homie, this is the time to break out that changeup, man. You're getting a start. And I, I, I tell you what, if, if you throw that changeup to Piazza, you're going to get him. And so I think twice that night he punches Piazza out on, on changeups. And so, you know, I'm feeling pretty good. And, uh, and then, you know, a week or so later, the Dodgers come here. And I, you know, homie's getting a start again against him. I said, homie, man, don't forget that changeup to Piazza, right? And, uh, you know... There's a reason why Piazza's a Hall of Famer. You know, fool me once, you know that that whole thing. And so uh, he throws him a changeup and and he and he hit it to Greeley, and uh, Homie turned around, looked at me, but I, he, he could. There was no eye contact. I, I turned my back to him. I couldn't. I couldn't look at him. So you're the blame, man. You never would hit that ball uh, 57 rows up in dead center field. That was, that was a funny story. More with the bench coach of the Atlanta Braves and the former Rockies manager, Walt Weiss, in a moment. But first, this for my friends at Ideal Home Loans. Brent Ivinson's team is outstanding. They've been in business for more than 20 years. They work here in Colorado, and they also work down in Arizona. They've helped save so many people money through the years, and I'm one of those people with their hand raised. I've used them uh, on multiple of occasions. And you know what's great for me? I've been able to pass along, because the service has been so good, I've been able to pass along a number of friends to Brent Ivinson's team, and they're all thrilled that I've done it, because they help you navigate the process of buying a new home, of refinancing, or maybe making your home the dream home you want it to be by helping you fund it. So give them a call at 303-867-7000. That's 303-867-7000. Ideal home loans and A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Now back to more with Walt Weiss. There's rule changes that are coming, and you were a great shortstop. When you played, you probably hung around mostly on the left side. I, I mean, did you shift? Do you remember shifting much in your career? Very little. You know, when we were we were ahead of the curve in Oakland because we, you know, Renee Latchman was was, was keeping charts back then. And, and we, we did some things that were extreme back then, uh, maybe not necessarily full shifts. But, 
Yeah, it was it was rare. I remember shifting bonds. I remember you know playing against Dave Kingman, and I'd be you know way in the hole at short, that type of thing. But there was a select few that that we we did that to. Um, so yeah, obviously a very different game now. Will it be Will it be a good thing when you have to keep two on the right side, two on yeah. the left side, and keep your feet on the dirt? Good or bad? I'm I'm torn, Goody. I got to tell you, um, I don't like the league mandating how we play the game or how I use my roster you know limiting a certain number of pitchers is another one I struggle with uh it'd be like in football going okay you're no longer allowed to play cover two you got you got to play cover one or you 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 know uh cover zero you got to play man all over field I just don't like them telling you if 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 I'm taking away something it means I'm giving something up so I think it's up to the opponent to expose that I just don't now. From a fan standpoint, it, it, it maybe it creates a little more action in the game, which is a good thing. But you know, if you're asking me, I don't like it. I don't. I don't like being told where to place my defenders. Um, I think the analogy, like I said, is the football analogy. Um, I, 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 I just don't. I don't. I don't like it. But uh, I, I hope you know. There are some other rules that I didn't like that I came to. Uh, you know, I got over it and and and. Uh, you know the runner on second thing was I'm like, are we seriously doing this? And and now you know, you know it's, it's it's like part of the deal and, and, and it creates a lot of action, man. Right. It's actually exciting in extra innings now. So um, uh, the, the the three batter minimum for the reliever, I was like, you people are out of your mind. But you get used to it, you know. It becomes a new normal, and uh, maybe that's what will happen with the with the no shifting. Yeah, I'd say this. I'm with you. You should be able to while you manage for a long time. You should be able to put your chess pieces anywhere you want. But going to the to the California tiebreaker rule, I actually like it yeah. because we have an industry where I would say this: there's three absolutes in life: death, taxes, and pitchers get hurt. Yeah. So, do we need to play yeah. 15 innings, right. you know, every 10 days, that sort of thing? <laughs> and there's there is a lot of strategy and excitement. Yeah. We saw it last night as we taped this, you know, in a zero-zero game with because on both one, sides, on both sides, because one isn't great in the top of the inning. Right. One's one's right. you got to get at least one, but it's not like you. you dancing in the aisles because you got one right so it's different and i kind of like it yeah no i agree with you I, and i think uh, the bottom line is it, it does preserve your pitching um which is critical these days especially you know they're, they're gonna start limiting the, the the number of relievers uh you can carry on a roster i mean um those 18 19 inning games not that they happen all the time but they did happen that's a that, that, that'll kill you for a week sure it'll kill your staff for a week so uh, I, I, I do like the tiebreaker, and you know we're, we're not here till one in the morning, trying to figure this thing out. You know the games are usually over uh, quickly. What do you got on Robo? Um, yeah, you know, yeah, this is another one, right? Um, I like the human element in the game. Um, I like the fact that you, you you know umpires, you know their strike zone, and it's part of the strategy, right? It, it, it's part of the approach for the hitter for the pitcher. Um, and I, I've just heard, you know, there, there's some flaws. If, if, they, if they can iron out all the flaws, I don't know if that's possible. With the robo-wump thing, I'll be in, you know, I, I, I'm okay with it. But that, I've come a long way to get to that to get to that point. You know, a couple years ago, I was like, no way, robo-wumps. But there was a lot of flaws, you know, initially yeah. with the system now. If they, if they can work out the kinks and it's very accurate, um, then you know what? You know, let's go. 
I, I'm still, and maybe it's because, as you know, one of my boys is a college catcher. It's the art of can I call it that the art of catching is, you know, it's the most important defensive position on the field, and we shouldn't take that away. And that's, you know, that's kind of, you know, a disappointing thing. But okay, I want to transition to the most important thing I'm going to ask you here. We're going to do a little. We're going to have a little fun. You you came up with, and I always ask you about it. Uh, a list. Tell me what it like. The greatest inventions of useless things, right? That's how I characterize yeah, it. Yeah, we, we basically call the, the things that are overrated in life. You know, right? Yeah, that is basically the overrated list for short. Okay, so I'm, I'm just going to give you two, and you got to tell me which is more overrated. Driving gloves, which is one of your Tough favorites, to right? Tough, Tough to, to beat. beat. Driving gloves, which was big when you and I were growing up. You go get the driving gloves, right? Right after the Tom Amansky video, and. <laughs> The dog, the, the contraption that throws a ball instead of you throwing the ball for your dog. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Just for old time's sake, I got I to gotta stick with the driving gloves, you know? <laughs> I got to stick with the driving. I like where your head's at, though, with, with, with the, the friggin' uh, the, the, the dog fetcher, whatever that thing is. That, that actually is, it's tough to crack the list, and I don't think that one's on goody, so good job cracking the list after it's been, it's been, We've been compiling it over like 25 or 30 years. So, uh, like I said, I like where your head's at. This is, hey, this is a proud moment for me because I've never cracked the list before. <laughs> and you know, we have a lot of idle time in this game. And so, shame on me for taking 25 years since I've been aware of this to come up with it. All right, this, this is another one for you. And I know where you're going to go. Greatest baseball rock and roll song, John Fogarty Center Field or your guy, Bruce Springsteen, Glory Days. Glory Days. Oh man, I'm 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 gonna get hammered for this. I gotta go center field because it's 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 more you know it's it's more of a pure baseball song. Where Glory Days is kind of a it's a it's a line in the song. It's not really a baseball song. So I'm going John Fogarty for this one. That shocked me. I thought I I got that one wrong. But I also wanted to pick your brain because I know you know people who know you know how much you love Bruce. The one issue I've always had with Glory Days is he threw that speed ball right by you. Not, not really a baseball term. Yeah. I think, I think Bruce got a little exposed there uh, with, with the speed ball. And in the video, they, I can't unsee him uh, throwing that pitch from the mound in the, in the, the video on MTV. The form was, uh, was less than brilliant. He, he, he picked at the guitar a lot more than he uh, played catch in the backyard. He made the right choice. <laughs> All right. Wor- worst, worst cliche that we use in sports. Boy, I love that guy. He gives 110% every time. Or now I lost my train of thought. On. Pick yours. Worst baseball cliche. You can fill in the blank. You know what? Backs to the wall is a, you know, I hate that one. But you said, I think 110% is probably the one I hate the most because there's no such thing there's no such thing as 110% right? it's 100% that's it that's max effort so when they say 110 I'm out you know so uh, 110% is probably my least favorite one you, you know what You know, I'll give you a couple other ones I don't like um, they never quit Braves were, Braves were down 10 to 2 y'all didn't quit yeah. Yeah. Like, like I should pull it yeah. hey pull it in fellas yeah yeah that's um <laughs> That's when you know things are going bad. When when you when when you you're on the soapbox saying we never quit because that's what we sign up to do, not quit. You know, we play nine innings. So yeah, I'm with you. 
<laughs> All right, man. Well, I'll have I'll have other questions for you <laughs> next time we get together. I'm this is like one of the proudest moments I've had is being part of this uh, game. We got to get the actual. We got to get the, the the official name of that thing. Yeah. So I can put. So I can actually write it on the list. Well, you've seen it though, yeah, right? Absolutely. You've been walking by a park 100%. and you're like, and, and an able-bodied person. Yeah. It's harder to do that than to actually throw it. You spike that thing, right? If you and I just went out there, right. you're, you're a world-class athlete, you'd spike the thing the first three times. The best analogy I'd come up with is maybe like when, when they used to have, remember the car stereo remote? That was harder than reaching over and pushing the button to change the station. You know, the, the remote, they always ended up under your seat. You couldn't find it. So that's my analogy. I mean, that's, that, that, that dog fetcher thing is tougher to do than throwing the ball, so I don't get it. I remember having a Blaupunk system put in a car I had, and i like, wow, I got a remote. I got the remote. What's the point? If I go and, and, buy it while I'm driving, and, and, go take a leak? And inevitably, <laughs> it fell It fell down in between the seat. Yeah. And it was gone. Yeah. So, car stereo remote is on the list, by the way. Is it really? It, it should it, be. Absolutely. <laughs> the, the, list is, uh, the list is getting lengthier. Well, it's great to see you, man. Stay well. Good to be home. Sleep in your own bed, huh? Appreciate it. Good. Yeah, always good to be home, man. Good Not, to be with you. Ah, brother. All right. Man, I always enjoy my conversations with Walt Weiss, one of the all-time great guys in the game of baseball, just a good human, and he's funny. <laughs> his his overrated list, which he's been toting around for about 30-some-odd years now, is an absolute classic. So I'm thrilled, man. He made, he made, my, uh, made my season. I got on the uh, overrated list with the uh, dog item catcher i looked it up i can't remember oh it's called chuck it that's what the name of that item is chuck it that's the uh item you can buy online if you feel like you can't throw a ball to your dog you can get the chuck it yeah that made the all overrated list but again good to catch up with walt and he deserves another shot at being a manager he's uh he's sharp he's charismatic He's a player's manager. He's adapted to how analytics play a role in baseball. I sincerely hope in the next couple of years we're talking about Walt Weiss getting another opportunity to be on the top step of a dugout. All right. It is now later on Wednesday evening. I kind of taped the first part uh, earlier in the day. And now I'm at Coors Field. And unfortunately, the Rockies fell tonight uh, once again to Cleveland 7-5. It was kind of a sloppy game, save for a great catch made by Stephen Kwan uh, that uh, prevented the Rockies actually from taking the lead in the seventh inning. But what was really interesting, I'm not going to lie, in our booth we have a television that's kind of off to the side, and both Spilly and I were keeping a careful eye on the Avalanche game taking place, uh, you know, literally half a mile away at Ball Arena. And when the Avalanche would score, it's neat because the crowd naturally was following the game as well and kind of would erupt. And it goes to overtime. And when the Avalanche scored, it sounded like this. Another bouncing puck. Gobbled up by JT Comper. Down the middle, Comper holds, shoots, it's blocked. Nachushkin with it, Burakovsky. He scores! Andre with a giant goal! And you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here because this party is over. Colorado wins game.
game one in overtime. Well, it also sounded pretty good at Coors Field because right after they scored, the final out of the inning, I think it was the eighth inning, took place. And immediately, the Rockies put it up on their huge scoreboard, and the crowd went even more ballistic. And it was a great thing. It was a great Denver moment, a great Colorado moment, great Rocky Mountain moment. Everybody pulling for the ads. Everybody, even the folks attending the Rockies game, were in tune with the avalanche. Credit uh, to Altitude Radio for that uh, call, Connor McGahee and the gang. So um, that was fun, man. And, and it took a little bit of the um, you know pain out of watching the, uh, the Rockies have a chance to win tonight and uh, not. That was uh, awesome to see. And as I keep tweeting out, now 13 down as we speak tonight. Three to go, Avs go. Three wins from a Stanley Cup. Next week when we convene, who knows, we could be talking about a parade. Can't wait. Cannot wait. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks again to Walt Weiss. A reminder to check out my buddy Patrick Lyons and Susie Hunter on their coverage on DNVR, the Rockies podcast, and all their written material. Again, the good folks at DNVR. Till next week, stay safe, stay well, and thanks for uh, telling everybody about our little venture here on the Drew Goodman podcast. See you.